0: Pastor Ed Taylor, with an encouraging truth to receive and believe.
1: All things were created through him and for him. Wow. You know what that means? That means you and I were created for Jesus. That means you and I were created to be in a relationship with a God that loves us. That means there's meaning and purpose in your life. That means that God has what we would call a will and a purpose for you. You were created for him. There's no more thrilling truth than to know that my God wants to have a relationship with me.
0: This is amazing grave. Welcome to another week of Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher, and he's just getting started with his study of the Gospel of John. Right from the outset, the Apostle John wants to point out a few things about Jesus. We'll hear today that he is creator of all things, and that includes you and me. That's an important foundation, as really our purpose in life flows from that. So let's get to know our creator, shall we, as we join Pastor Ed in John chapter 1. John 1.1 1, 1
1: opens, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it's that introduction that John gives us to Jesus that will help us through the rest of the letter. The Greek, for those first few words, the Greek, remember, is en ha logos In the beginning was the Word. It spoke to everyone that was listening at the time. It spoke to the Jewish mind, who would often refer to God the Father as the Word. John says, you have referred to God the Father, let me introduce you to the Word. It spoke to the Greek mind of the day, as the Greeks referred to the Logos as the very sum of all wisdom and knowledge, the very essence of life. John writes to the audience of the day in a very relevant way, saying, you referred to the Logos, let me introduce you to him. The Logos is not a philosophy. It's, it's not a, a, a system of religion. The Logos is a man. His name is Jesus, and he is eternal. Perfectly God in human flesh. Now as we expand in the rest of the first few verses here as John opens up, John is going to speak to generation after generation. You see, while you and I don't have a Greek philosophy mindset, in our day and age, in our culture, we have been taught a very humanistic way of looking at creation. We have been taught to displace and replace God with a humanistic theory that's known as evolution, and it has many different facets and formats to it. And John will even speak to that today. He'll say, not only is in the beginning was Logos, not only was he with God, but he is God. But he says in verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus is not only God, but he's the creator of all things all things. You can have confidence that Jesus is the creator of all things. Notice it says in verse 3, the very first word, all. You know what all means in the Greek? All. It's interesting, because words do have significance in context. So I've been saying that for many years. You know what I did? I looked it up. Just to make sure. I've been saying that and saying that, just to make sure. This is the Greek word pas, P-A-S, and you know what it means? All. So it was a good translation. There isn't anything At any time that was created, that wasn't created by Jesus himself, all things. The whole universe is the very handiwork of God. And you think back to that little baby in the manger, and if you had the chance to talk to Mary and say, hey, Mary, Mary, who's that little baby in your womb? Mary would be able to say, oh, you know, that's just God, the creator of the universe. Like, wow. You know, it brings great significance to the humility of Mary and carrying that baby Jesus, fully God and fully man in her womb. You know, you think of the handiwork of God in creation. Astronomers and scientists, those who study creation, are blown away by the complexities of creation. And yet there's this battle. Now, if you and I, you know, like I, I grew up in the public school system, the system... The public school system from a very early age, and it's even worse now than when we were in school, teaches a false humanistic theory of evolution to displace this little phrase here in John 1, 3. In John 1, 3, it says very clearly, where did the mountains come from? Where did the trees come from? Where did the oceans come from? Where did the stars come from? Where did the sun come from? Where did the earth come from? Where did I come from? John says, Jesus made you. You are created by God. Creation is the handiwork of God. Let me just walk you through a couple verses. Go over to Psalm 8 with me. Psalm 8. We don't have time to walk through the entirety of the Scriptures, but the creation of God speaks of the Creator. Notice with me Psalm 8, verse 1. You know, there, is, there are many different Viewpoints of evolution, many different years being used. And of course, there is the Big Bang Theory. But even a simple simple observation of the Big Bang that an explosion does not create order. Explosion creates what? Chaos, confusion, destruction. And so some would try to, because it's such a heavy emphasis, and I know some of you are wrestling with this, and I'd encourage you, study. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Start where God says. God says, you're wondering about the origins of life. You're wondering about the origin. Let me just make it very clear for you. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1-3. All things were created by him. Jesus is creator. Take it. Start there and let the Bible speak to you. But do your research and do your study. And you'll find the, the reality of creation is explained by the reality of the creator. And the handiwork, you know, God uses creation to get people's attention. So notice verse one it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Now turn over to chapter 19 of Psalms you know david as he's wrestling with things in life as he's praying one of the things that brought him great comfort one of the things that brought him great encouragement one of the things that brought him great contentment was thinking about was thinking about his creator he he took great he took great comfort and encouragement being reminded that you know what there's a creator i'm accountable to my creator he loves me and cares for me look at verse 1 of chapter 19 here in the psalms it says The heavens declare what? The glory of God. Not the theory of man. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. Look at Psalm 33, verse 6. Psalm 33, verse 6. In Psalm 33, again, the psalmist is writing through and he says, and it sounds very familiar to John 1, 1. And it sounds very familiar to Genesis 1, where it says, by, this is Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of the, is the, by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters by the sea together as a heap, and he lays up the deep in storehouses. And what's the response to, and here's the difficult, this is why, this is why there are alternative theories being introduced to displace a creator. It's the very next verse here in Psalm 33. If there is a creator and we are his creation, then verse 8 says, let all the earth fear the Lord. I mean, there is a responsibility now of creation to the creator. And if we can displace The fact that God created us. And we can displace the fact that God will hold us accountable. That he has order and direction. That he created you with a purpose in mind. He created you to help and to strengthen, To be in relationship with you. Therefore I'm accountable to him. If we can displace that then we can live in chaos and really not feel any Remorse. We do not feel any guilt. We do not feel any moral responsibility. And even if we do feel moral responsibility, we can change it at whim. Because if we define it for ourselves, hey, do what you want. Just like in the Old Testament when the judges were said that everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. We're in a very similar state of life even today. You know, back in John 1.1, 1, 1, not, only, not only were all things made through him... It says, without him nothing was made that was made. So when you look at a word, like for instance, all means all in the Greek, you do a couple things. And one of them, one of the things you do is you look it up and you look up the original language. But the most important part of finding the definition of a word in the Bible is the context. So everything is about context. What does it mean in context? And so we know that all means all because John will say it a second time in the negative. Did you notice? He says, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made. So he does it it both sides. He says, not only is all things made, but nothing, there isn't one thing that wasn't created by this Jesus that you're gonna get to know in my gospel, John says. And you just think of the creation of God that Jesus, the word, logos, Created all things. Our sun, for example. Jesus created our sun. Our sun is so big that over 1,300,000 of our earths could fit inside of the sun. That's how big it is. But yet, compared to the star Antares, well, 64 suns, and I didn't do all the math on that, could fit inside of it. But when you come to another star, Hercules, the number goes to 110 million of And Tyre's, that have 64 sons, that have 1.3 million earths in it, could fit in it. And that's just what's been seen today. And and actually, where I got this from, um, there's actually more examples, but my mind blew up by the time I got here. I didn't, like, how much more do we need? It's just like so big and so huge to think of the vastness of God's creation. And yet, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ, the word Logos out of love, a response of love, to die for the forgiveness of your sins. I mean, it's mind-blowing. The beauty of creation that Jesus is creator, like in Genesis chapter 1, I'll read it to you. You can turn there. Why don't we just go there, John chapter 1, verse 14. This is the fourth day of creation. John says in one verse what the author in Genesis says in five or six verses But it says in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens, divide the day and the night. And let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and to rule over the day. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament, verse 17, of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. John uses a lot less words and he just says, All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Amazing. Turn over to Colossians now, chapter 1. Let's get to know this Creator you see, because this is the testimony not of just John, but all of the followers of Jesus Christ will declare with absolute certainty that Jesus is creator. But Paul expands as he writes to the church in Colossae. He expands a little bit. Pick up with me Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Again, we're laying the foundation here in our first by verse study in the gospel of John. It's taken some time, but we've got to build the foundation right. We've got to make sure we know who we are studying, who we are following, who this Jesus is. And Paul would look back in verse 15 and speak of Jesus as the image, and that's an important word. It means the exact representation. That's what it means. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So that later in John chapter 14, Jesus would tell Philip, he says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the express image. Or according to the author in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, it says, speaks of Jesus being the express brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Well, Paul says he's the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him, verse 16, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, basically the angelic realm, the spiritual realm. All things were created through him and for him. And verse 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things consist. Now, before we move on, I want to clarify a word for you. It's so important you understand this word because there is a false teaching. There are cultists, the Jehovah's Witnesses, that will come to your door and they will use this word to try to stumble you. They'll actually use this passage of Scripture to try to trip you up as it relates to who Jesus is. Remember we said, we learned in previous studies that Every false teaching, every false belief system, every philosophy, every cult has it wrong in one place, right? Who Jesus is. And so what they'll do is they'll take you to Colossians chapter 1. And I haven't been to their training sessions, but I'm certain of how many times they've taken me here that this has to be one of their training sessions, and they'll take you right here and they'll say, Jesus is not God. He's just a God. And the reason being is, is because Jesus was a created being. And this is what they'll say. They'll say, look, it says that he's firstborn," And that's what they'll, they'll refer to, it, say, he, he's first born. Now, we naturally read that word chronologically, naturally. As a matter of fact, if you're not careful, you'll actually read it backwards. It's just an English translation of a Greek word. But you'll read it backwards, and you'll read firstborn as born first. I mean, we use that terminology with our kids. If you have more than one child, you'll refer to the first one. The first one was born in birth order as what? The firstborn. And what you mean is born first. But I want you to know that that word in the original language rarely means born first in the Bible. On occasion it does, but what? We have to find the context It's very important. And most of the time, this word is not referring to, in the Bible, is not referring to a chronology of who was born first, but rather it's a word of priority, of preeminence. What Paul is saying is, he's saying, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and he is preeminent over all creation. You know why that's important? Because he's the creator. Of course the creator has preeminence more importance over his creation, and it's repeated over and over again in other places in the scriptures. But let me show you an example. Turn back to Jeremiah chapter 31. Now, I know you Bible students are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, the New Testament's written in Greek. How can that Greek word be in the Old Testament? Well, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but scholars took the Old Testament, Hebrew, translated it into Greek. It's a... It's a version of the Bible known as the Septuagint. When they chose to translate this word firstborn in the Hebrew into the Greek, they use the same exact word. Firstborn. So let me show you this, because this is just like this one verse blows out, blows the water out of that, that false argument that Jesus is created, that he was born first, that he was first. And the viewpoint is this first God the Father created Jesus and then Jesus created everything else. But that's not what the Bible says. All means all. It's very clear. But if you're not careful, you get tripped up. And I just want to equip you so you're not tripped up. It's not that difficult. Look at Psalm, uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 9. Jeremiah 31, verse 9. It says, Jeremiah is speaking, and he says, there They shall come with weeping and with supplications. I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Now those of you that study Bible, you know that Ephraim wasn't born first. Manasseh was born first. So this isn't a word of order chronologically. God is saying, you know what? For Ephraim, he's going to have a better place than Manasseh. He's going to be preeminent. He's going to be above his brother because Manasseh was born first in birth order. So here's someone referring to, he's referred to as the firstborn, but he's not born first. Same with Jesus. Now, one more time, Paul uses this. Go back to Colossians with me. Chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. In verse 18, we didn't read, but we'll read it now, of chapter 1. He uses the word firstborn again, Paul does, and says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, was Jesus the first one to resurrect from the dead? Yes or no? No. We have at least one example of a resurrection before Jesus. Who was it? Lazarus. So this isn't chronology, He's saying, and he even clarifies it for us in verse 18, that he's the firstborn. Of course, Jesus is the most important resurrection. He's the only one to rise again and not die twice. So he is of preeminence. He's the example. He's the one to look to in Being raised from the dead, he's the one we follow. He's the one with preeminence. And I want to clear that up for you just in case someone knocks on your door or someone hands something to you at work or comes up to you at the library or you're there hanging out in the checkout line at Walmart and somebody comes up and you'd be amazed how the enemy loves to trip people up. This word means preeminent most important, first in rank. So don't let some cultist come to you and say, See, Jesus is a created man. The Bible speaks louder and clearer than any false teaching. So back in Colossians it says in verse 16, for by him Paul says the exact same thing John did for by him all things were created heaven and earth, visible, invisible thrones or dominions, principalities or powers all things were created through him and check this out, I love this, end. And for him. All things were created through him and for him. Wow. You know what that means? That means you and I were created for Jesus. That means you and I were created to be in a relationship with a God that loves us. That means there's meaning and purpose in your life. That means that God has what we would call a will and a purpose for you. You were created for him. There's no more thrilling truth than to know that my God wants to have a relationship with me. The thrill of knowing Him and walking with Him and talking with Him and growing with Him and becoming more like Him. The thought of knowing that my satisfaction and my fullness and my hope are all found in the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He created me. And why did He create me? For Him. That's His purpose for your life. You see, today... If you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you have never bowed the knee, you've never said, you know, God, you're right. I've strayed far from you. You know, God, you're right. I I need to be in relationship with you. You know, God, I don't even quite understand what that means, but I do understand this. I do understand that you care so much for me that you created me and you created me for you. You see, a lot of people, and you may be one of them, have sought satisfaction and contentment and hope in something that will never satisfy you. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in all the materialism of our culture. It's very easy to get caught up in all of the philosophy of the day. You know, some people, they worship money. And other people worship their families. And other people worship their minds and the knowledge And we could go on and on of the things that have replaced. You see, you weren't created for money, friend. And you weren't created for some novel grand career. And you weren't created just to have a family. You see, all of those are great and wonderful and can be used for the glory of God in the right purpose. But I want to tell you right now, you've been created for God himself. You belong to him.
0: we were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Such an important point, and we'll leave you to think that over. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor has helped us get to know our Creator today through his message called, Jesus, the Creator, Life, and Light. To hear it again, visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com or listen to Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Our pick of the month is Struggling Under the Broom Tree by Pastor Bill Gem. What comes to mind when I mention the prophet Elijah? Perhaps you think of a man who walked closely with God and did amazing miracles. Well, that is true. But maybe you didn't realize Elijah, like many of us, struggled with fear, doubt, and even depression. In this book, you'll read about the life of Elijah and how God's faithfulness brought him out from under the broom tree of despair. He can do the same for you. We'll gladly send you a copy of Struggling Under the Broom Tree when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877 877- 30 grace or go online to calvaryco.store and we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses that's our prayer and our heart's desire and if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support we'd sure appreciate it you can donate to the ministry at aboundinggraceradio.com or again call 877 30 grace Join us each day on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor leads us through God's Word, helping us live by and grow in God's Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.